Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to this episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. Um, I am not your normal host. Um, Austin is actually in Israel uh, right now with his wife, um, exploring uh, some of the wonderful uh, things that Israel has to offer. So he's he's out this week and next. So y'all are going to be stuck with me for the next uh, two consecutive weeks, which you, you haven't experienced for quite some time. So uh, let me let me apologize in advance. Uh, but what I will not apologize in advance for is our guest today. Um, we've got Carrie Cook on today, and um, she wears multiple different hats, and we'll let her uh, tell us a little bit about those. But she is essentially a, um, a not, not a co-CEO, she is a multiple CEO, I, I guess is how we would describe her. Um, of two um, totally separate companies. There is some overlap between the companies and we'll let her, you know, um, explain, you know, kind of what that means. But um, Carrie, we had the opportunity to connect just for a couple of minutes, you know, for a pre-qualification kind of chat, which was probably now what, six or eight weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. So um, haven't got a chance to get to know you a ton, but um, really excited to unpack a um, undoubtedly valuable conversation with you. So Carrie, um, thanks for joining us and uh, welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And yeah. you're going to get to know a lot about Carrie. All right. Well, that that is the point of the conversation. So that's that's uh, that's what we're trying to achieve. Uh, Carrie, uh, like myself, we're actually both in Las Vegas. So it's nice to, you know, have somebody that is uh, local to Vegas, which I don't think we've had uh, Las Vegan on the show for quite some time. So, um, so that is great. Carrie, before we get into any business stuff, um, just spend a couple minutes and tell us, tell us about Carrie, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school, tell us about your family, your upbringing, just anything that's important to you that you'd like to share with us. We'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Okay. So I am a native. I was born in Las Vegas. I was actually born out at Nellis Air Force Base. So I am a military brat. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force for 20 years and we never moved from Las Vegas. You don't hear that a whole lot. Uh, I don't know what he did exactly. All I know is he was gone Monday through Friday and he was home on the weekends um, <laughs> and spoiled us to death on the weekends. I'm sure that drove my mother insane. Um, my mom was in the gaming industry my entire life. Um, her last position, uh, she was the vice president of human resources for Mirage Resorts at the time. So, um, as you can tell, mom's been out of the gaming industry for a little while. Um, I have been with, uh, my spouse for 20 years. We have a 16 year old son. Um, so that's, been fun um, <laughs> to navigate that, um, all, all new and exciting. I have to admit, 
I am, um, I'm the sugar mama of the family. And so, uh, my husband has been a stay-at-home dad for the last seven, eight years, um, which is something we decided to do when I took on my dual position. Um, it just didn't really afford us, uh, enough time with him. So, um, he kind of took the, I don't want to say the back seat because I think he probably has the harder job, but, um, he definitely, uh, took the, um, raising of our son um, as a full-time job while I obviously was taking on these two businesses as a full-time job. Um, as far as hobbies and things along those lines, gosh, we are a very active family. Um, we are into a lot of outdoor activities. Um, gosh, I don't even know if there's one that we don't enjoy, to be real honest with you. Um, we even went snowshoeing a couple weeks ago and I thought that was kind of crazy. I know I'm from Vegas and here I am out snowshoeing. Um, but yeah, so anything, uh, downhill mountain biking, we are into a lot as well. Um, we are avid fans of the beach. So surfing and bodyboarding and just everything, anything outdoors is, is where you'll find us. All right. Love it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think we're, we're like, kind of like spirit, like animal partners because all that stuff that you just described. So I grew up on the beach in Southern California and I would spend, you know, mom would drop us off on Saturday mornings at nine and pick us up at, at five. And we just, uh, stayed at the beach, you know, all day long. So mm -hmm. I always got a lot of crap because I was a, I've been a lifelong bodyboarder and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, obviously surfing is a lot more popular in SoCal. So, you know, you always kind of get shunned as a, as a bodyboarder, but, um, I did, I did quite a bit of surfing, like in high school and, you know, I can get up you know, easily on a long board, I can kind of get up on a short board, but I always had a lot more fun, you know, laying on my, on my belly on the body board. So. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Spent a lot of time at the beach. That's for sure. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, so yeah. So another interesting kind of, um, things that you mentioned. So, uh, Christina, uh, who you just met, you know, that kicked off mm -hmm. the show for us, she's a West point grad. Um, so she was in the army and then, um, our former employee, uh, Lindsay, her husband was in the air force mm -hmm. and he's part of the, uh, fighter jet program. Mm -hmm. And so they had moved out here, um, in 2021 as their, you know, last, last stop. So they have lived in Japan three times. No, I'm sorry. They lived in Japan twice and they lived um, in Oregon twice. And then they got moved back to Oregon a year after they were moved to Las Vegas because they shut the program down here in the air force that he was part of. So now they are living in Oregon for the third time. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can't honestly, because I did not get to experience moving around. Um, which is, you know, when I say that to somebody, they're like, oh, you're a military brat. Where have you been? It's like, right. nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. It's, it's, and I, that's, I, I shouldn't say nowhere. Uh, we traveled all over the country, but, um, definitely not outside of the country. Yeah. Right. And he was stationed in Vegas for an extended period. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm not a military brat. I didn't, you know, I didn't serve or anything, but my, my experience has been, I mean, that sounds like that's almost unheard of, 
for, it is. yeah. Wow. It yeah. Well, is. it's probably why I still don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, you, uh, I don't know if your dad is, is still with us or not, but if he is, he you is, tell yeah. him that we said, thank you for your service. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one more, one more point here. So uh, you mentioned downhill mountain biking. And it's funny that you mm-hmm. say that because I bumped into a guy at church on Sunday that I haven't seen in a while. And we are kind of mountain biking buddies. And I just bought my mountain bike, my first ever mountain bike, probably 18 months ago. And, uh, you know, we were needling each other because, uh, you know, our, our bikes have now been sitting in the garage untouched for, you know, a good probably six or eight months. And so I saw him on Sunday and said, hey, dude, we got to get out and do some mountain biking. We're coming into like the best time of year in Las Vegas. And so he uh, he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's get something on the calendar. And then uh, just about an hour ago, I see a Facebook post from his wife of him laying on a hospital bed. And he was he was opening a can of green beans and just about cut his thumb off. Oh, <laughs> so so uh, it, it looks like uh, my mountain biking buddy is uh, is going to be unavailable for a while. So maybe I'll have to hit you and your husband up and see if you guys want to go, go out for a couple trail rides or something. We have the best place here out at Boulder City, Bootleg Canyon. I don't know if you've been out there, but it is absolutely spectacular to ride. Now, you have to be able to stomach it, though. It's not... Um, the faint of heart terrain, <laughs> but it's an amazing place to, to downhill mountain bike. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard of bootleg many times had, you know, all kinds of buddies that have rode there, but I have never actually been there. So that would be um, a lot of fun. And I am not a experienced mountain biker by any stretch, but I grew up, you know, uh, riding bikes a ton. Um, I was a big dirt biker, so I'm really comfortable mm-hmm. on, on two wheels. And so, um, I kind of picked it up, you know, kind of, kind of quickly, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Boot Lake sounds it. a little intense. I don't know. Ah, uh, we'll start you on the fire road. We'll just take you up the fire road, down the fire road, and then we'll go off into some paths. It'll be, okay. cool. You'll be fine. All right. All right. That sounds good. Um, all right. So we can start wherever you want. Um, you know, um, We've got Ignite Funding and we've got Preferred Trust Company, where you act as CEO, I believe, or CEO and president um, of of the two companies. So, I mean, I I would imagine people's first thoughts are going to be, what the heck? Like, you are CEO, like leading two separate, you know, successful, you know, small businesses. Why, Why are you doing that? How did that come about? You know, so... Give us kind of some background into how it led to this position that you're currently in with the two different companies. Okay. So I'm going to start with Ignite and we'll move into Preferred Trust. Okay. So the way that it started with Ignite was not your conventional way of um, heading to the top. I started in 2005 uh, with the conglomerate of companies at the time. And I started in the marketing department as a marketing coordinator, okay? Bottom of the barrel, Um, not that I wasn't talented, but that's where I started. Um, And I won't go in that far into history as to why I did that, but that's where it all started. And when I got in, I realized very quickly that um, 
they didn't have much structure within their company. And I work in a very structured environment, obviously being a military brat. Um, you know, I was raised in a very structured environment. And with that being said, I came in and it was, it was a bit chaotic. There were um, senior management that couldn't answer very basic questions about the company and how the synergies between all the companies worked. It was, it was quite frustrating at, at being kind of the first person entering this, this marketing position with the company. And I had to navigate each of the departments and ask a lot of questions. And as I did that, I uncovered um, the shortcomings of individuals. And I'm a people person, so I want to know everything. I want to know how it operates, how it works from A to Z. I'm not an A to M, I'm an A to Z. I need all the details. And when I started doing that, working through the different departments, I found myself taking over the departments as I went. Uh, whether they liked me there or not, I don't know. Um, but honestly, I, I didn't really care because I had a job to do, and that was to market these companies. And the only way you can market a company is to understand the ins and outs of the company and how it functions. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit to, you know, 2007, 2008, because 2005, 2006, 2007, glory days. I think we would all agree that those were glory days. When 2008 occurred um, and we had, you know, a catastrophic real estate collapse in the Las Vegas market, um, I think it became very apparent to all of the conglomerate of companies that we had that we were, we were in an, we were in a bad situation. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we had about $500 million in assets all in the Las Vegas market. Yeah, I'm, I can see the look on your face. I know the listeners can't, but the reality of what happened to us within a very short period of time is the value of real estate decreased by 9D%. Mm -hmm. That is completely unheard of. And I think things that we may have maybe forgotten about because it has been a while, I haven't forgotten about them. Because at that stage in my career, I was the crisis communication person. I was the one on the front lines. I had worked my way through the system to the point where I was running the sales floor. I was managing the entire marketing department. Um, I had integrated myself into a lot of the other departments um, and businesses and were leading those businesses as well. Why? Because the senior management at the time couldn't handle the fire. So as they were running out of it, I was running into it saying, well, just talk to people, just communicate. You know, we didn't, we didn't make this happen. You know, ultimately we're involved in it, granted, but I didn't decrease the value of real estate by 90%. That was an economic issue that was happening within our valley and in our country. And so let's communicate through this. So I did. I became that person on the front lines. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it wasn't tough. I had death threats. We had, you know, armed guards at our doors. This, it was real life crisis communication that we were going through. So as everybody else was running out, I was running in and saying to myself, we can save this. I went to the owners of the company and I said, I am not running. Everybody else is running. I'm not, I'm here. But in order for me to stay, we have to get rid of all of the noise that's around us. And we have to focus our attention on the things that we believe that will make it through this horrific real estate cycle. And in doing so, um, I had the privilege, <laughs> if you want to call it that, 
<laughs> of taking down six companies and laying off 150 people. And really got down to the root of what I felt like we could save as asset managers of Ignite Funding and pull out of that what we could move forward with. I'm not a I'm not a look back kind of gal. I'm a look forward kind of gal. And in doing so, I had to create a plan for how I was going to get us through what we were dealing with, right? We took back $500 million of assets. I almost bankrupt the company doing it. Um, and then how are we going to re-engage? When were we going to start lending again? So from 2008 to about 2016, eight years it took us to clean up $500 million in assets. I stayed on board and did that. But in 2011, we started to see the need again for lending. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, the strategy was very, very different now. It wasn't all about Las Vegas. I really had to retool and rethink that portfolio. From there, I became the president of the company. It was very clear that nobody else was going to take charge and lead us through this fire <laughs> and out the other end. But as we were putting all those fires out and working through those assets, we had many investors that came along for the ride with us because of the integrity mm -hmm. of us sticking this out. We were not the lender that threw our hands up and let everything go to collections. That wasn't us. We were, we were not going to do that. I wasn't going to allow that because I knew those investors wouldn't stay with us. And I needed those investors to work with us to pull out of this horrific cycle and into what would be, you know, the next 12 years of what we've seen. That's how Ignite Funding came about. That's how I got to the top of Ignite Funding. Now, preferred trust. This is kind of an interesting story because in 2007, when Preferred Trust was created, I was working for the company and it was one of the conglomerates. It was one of the pieces of the puzzle. And in 2007, when Preferred Trust started, I was in the marketing department. So I created their website back then. I helped them establish all of their forms. I was on, on the ground level of the birth of Preferred Trust. Preferred Trust company though, was very different than anything else that we had as far as affiliated companies. It wasn't an investment vehicle. It wasn't insurance that we were selling or annuities or any of the other things that we were selling, securities. I mean, we had the full court blanche everything. I mean, all under one roof. But what was left um, after, and that was 2007. So Preferred Trust keeps going on its merry little way. Um, Ignite Funding obviously needs to do a revamp. Uh, we do a revamp with Ignite Funding from asset managers, now back to lending. And in 2014, the owners came to me and said, Carrie, I don't know if this is possible, but would you consider going over to Preferred Trust and looking under the hood? Something just doesn't seem right. And at the time, the companies were in two different locations. So because I lead um, with a team environment, I'm, I'm very much you know, a pro team. There's no I in team. I sat down with my Ignite Funding staff, which was a whopping 12 people at the time. And I, I told them what was on my plate, what I was considering. And for all intents and purposes, I was asking their permission to 
take the time away from them and Ignite Funding and the growth of Ignite Funding. Because remember, I'm only three years into our coming out of, you know, and becoming a commercial lender again and not an asset manager. And they all got behind it. And the reason why they got behind it and the reason why I eventually went over there is because the synergies between those two companies was something that was completely untapped. Imagine from 2007 to 2014, Ignite Funding educated clients about investing through a self-directed IRA for tax-deferred, tax-free options, right, with their investments, but it wasn't using preferred trust company as the custodian. Think mm -hmm. about that. For seven years, this went on. Wow. The reason why that went on is because when you have a member of management or somebody who's leading a company that doesn't lead with integrity and trust and all the things that, you know, you need in order to have the desire or the commitment to put somebody's funds there and ensuring that they are secure, you just, you find, you find another resource. But I knew if I went over to Preferred Trust, the synergies between those two companies would be explosive. So, so I did. So I went over there um, to Preferred Trust in 2014, and I basically flattened the company. I got rid of every single employee that they had, and I kept one, and I rebuilt it. It needed to be rebuilt. It was, it was in ruins. Um, they had one provider of uh, leads that were coming in or accounts that were coming in from an unreputable provider, somebody that I could not get behind. Um, I, their opinions and philosophies of life just didn't, didn't align. Um, I felt like there was some um, predatory uh, investing going on that I didn't like. You know, I got to sleep at night, right? And I didn't feel comfortable aiding and abetting to that. So we started from scratch in 2014, got, got rid of everything, um, recreated it, white glove treatment. Um, I had just done it with Ignite. So, you know, what's three years later doing it again with another company? The beauty of that relationship, though, is immediately the buy-in started with Ignite Funding. And we now have over $100 million of Ignite funding clients that have invested through a self-directed IRA since that time. So clearly it worked. Um, Ignite funding is only one piece of the puzzle for PTC, though, for preferred trust company. You hear me say PTC, that's what I'm talking about. It's too much to say over and over and over again. <laughs> but um, you know, Ignite funding is only about 20% of their business over there. So the companies are run completely independent of one another, but certainly have synergetic uh, opportunities between the two. So that's how that whole thing kind of came about. Um, it's, it's a lot. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that it's not. It's a lot. Um, and the reason why it's a lot, a lot of people don't ask me this question. Some people do. As a self-directed custodian, you're not allowed to give tax or investment advice. Mm -hmm. Think about that for just a second. This makes people just perplexed. Ignite funding gives investment advice. So why in the heck can Carrie Cook run these two companies? Why, why is the state of Nevada allowing this? The reason why the state of Nevada is allowing this is there's two different commissioners. You have the mortgage lending division, which is Ignite funding. And then you have the financial institutions division, which is run um, through preferred trust. 
or the regulatory bodies between the two. The two commissioners got together because they had to approve this. Like, is are we really gonna allow this to happen? And they had to ask themselves, can this woman draw the line in the sand? Can she do it? Does she have segregated duties? Are they separate people running these companies? Well, I mean, you have one leader, but from that, when you break it all down, it is separate, 100% separate. And so I've been able to maintain that, prove that over time. And trust me, when they come in here and do their examinations, they beat me up about it as they should, as they should. So the criteria between the two companies and information sharing and all of that, it is so uniquely separate <laughs> and defined because if I don't, then I lose this opportunity. So I have to be, you know, game day every single day, depending upon what hat I have on. Mm -hmm. So it is a challenge. I'm not going to pretend like this is a cakewalk because it's not. Um, it's a lot of hours and, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, you know, take one hat off, put the other hat on. Um, but I can do it. And I've done it successfully for quite a few years now. So that's kind of the short version, the short and long of what happened, but just to give you an idea of how it all came about. Yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. So a couple of things I want to throw on the radar so that we don't forget to uh, circle back to, which one would be, um, I, I think it'd be super interesting just to hear more about like what does that actually look like to like take one hat off and put the other one on? Like, do you, do you have certain blocks of the day where you work on one company? Like, Oh, I'd love to just hear more about that. Cause that, I think it's fascinating. But um, another thing would be <clears throat> you've kind of um, you know, you've kind of burned these companies both to the ground only to rebuild them to be, it, it seems like much more, successful and synergistic between, you know, the different, uh, uh, companies I I'm saying companies inferring it's really just the two, but I know you guys might have some other companies as well. So, but, um, uh, so I want to, I want to make sure that we, um, oh, I didn't finish my thought there. I'm sorry. So, um, you've, you've burned them down, built them back up. And what does, what do those companies look and feel like now, you know, you said you had 12 employees for one company and then you basically let everybody go for PTC and then you rebuilt it. So, you know, is it like, is it just kind of the carry show or like, you know, have you built up your teams? Mm -hmm. I imagine you have. So I want to make sure we circle back on those two things, but before we do, um, tell us about, um, Ignite funding, like what, what does Ignite funding like specifically do? And then I think we'll we'll talk about preferred trust company and what they specifically do. And then we'll we'll come back to tying it together with those two kind of follow-up thoughts I had. Okay. Wow. Let me unpack that. I'm gonna start with what does Ignite funding do? So Ignite funding pairs borrowers with investors in its simplistic form and offers collateralized real estate investment opportunities. So let's unpack that. What that means is that Ignite funding originates loans for borrowers that 
maybe don't fit into a specific niche um, that that the banks are kind of like, eh, I'm I'm not going to lend on the acquisition of the land. I'll provide you the hundred million dollar construction line of credit, but you're going to have to go find somebody else to finance that land for you. But when you're ready, two years later, you let us know. We'll be here for mm-hmm. you. So they're bankable borrowers that are looking for that niche financing that they can't get from the banks. They come to Ignite Funding for that purpose. That could be from for residential acquisition. It can be for commercial acquisition. It could be for the development of those two types. It could be for the mm-hmm. construction. It could be bridge financing while they're waiting for you know tenant improvements to be completed and occupancy rates to go up so they can get the bank financing. It's a variety of different types of bank financing and lesson learned, not just in Las Vegas. So um, very diverse portfolio with asset type, borrowers, and location. Mm. Now, once we underwrite those loans, we go out to investors and we do our own capital fundraising. And that capital fundraising pairs the borrowers that have the financing needs with investors that are seeking opportunities to earn higher digit um, returns in a collateralized investment vehicle. We put those two together. Once we do, we fund the loans to the borrowers, and then we also service the loans. So Ignite Funding stays involved from beginning to end. So we've originated the loan, we did the capital fundraising, put them together, put the borrower and the investor's money together. Now we are servicing those loans. As borrowers are making their payments, payments come in, Ignite Funding processes those payments out to our investors, and we move on. In theory, loan pays off, investor picks another loan with another borrower, another location, another asset type, maybe it's the same borrower, maybe we're refinancing the loan and they stay on the loan for an extended period of time. All of those options are available to our investors. But investments have risk. If a borrower does not make their payments, Ignite Funding also stays on to collect on those assets. Mm. Remember the $500 million I talked about? We are professionals (laughs) at taking back assets if need be, but we also learned a whole lot about taking back those assets. So our underwriting standards have changed drastically Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're providing a very diverse uh, portfolio option to our investors. So that's Ignite Funding. That is what we do. We are A to Z. We originate, we service, we collect if need be, and we offer a stable, passive investment to investors in real estate. Simple. That's Ignite Funding. Okay. Hold, hold on. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to, I want to just unpack that just for a second because, you know, I think people are going to want to know. Um, all right. So first of all, are your investors going to be individuals? Are they going to be institutions, you know, family offices? Talk to us about who your investors are. And then just for a second, talk to us a little bit more about how you pair up your borrowers and your investors. Do they, do your investors get to actually sift through um, deals and cherry pick, or do they just invest with Ignite and you guys kind of just pool everything together? Like, give us, give us a little bit more into like how that process works. Okay. First question was, how do they invest with us? 
So we have clients that invest with cash accounts. We have clients that invest with businesses. We have clients that invest with um, 401k plans. We have clients that invest through self-directed IRAs, hence the synergy between preferred trust. Um, the sky's the limit. I mean, we have everything, any, anything you can imagine. Um, that's how they invest. So any investment type that they're looking for, um, some clients will come to us and say, Carrie, you know what? Not willing to take on the risk of the land acquisition, but I like the banks like to only invest in construction loans. Okay, great. Well, then you're going to have to wait for us to have a construction loan that comes along mm. while your money sits and earns nothing. Um, and, and eventually they pick up on that and go, well, wait a second. What, what do you think about the risk, Carrie? I mean, is there more risk in construction or is there more risk in land? They are picking the investments they want to invest in. It is our job to do the underwriting. And it is our job to provide you information related to the underwriting that we've done. And then it is the investor's choice as to what they mm -hmm. want to invest in. Every day, every week, every month, we have different investments available because as the investments become available, they become funded and we move on to the next investment. It's not, um, it's not one of those things where you, you know, we're not a shopping mall. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. You're not walking around and looking at the storefronts and picking which one you want. Like investments come and go. Borrowers come and go. Asset mm -hmm. types come and go. So our investors have the opportunity to see those loans as they become available. If something is of interest to them, they typically reach out to us, ask more, for more information, or they immediately, you know, they can review it. They've been with us long enough. They know what they're looking for. Um, some of them are real estate experts. Some of them are specifically looking for a specific borrower to work with. Mm. It's up to you as the investor. It's our job to communicate to you the underwriting that went behind that. What is this project? What is it about? Who's involved? How long? What's the exit strategy? Um, what's the, what's the, the value of this property? All of those questions we can answer, but ultimately it's up to them to decide what investment they want to be on. Hmm. Interesting. And is there a, a minimum to invest with you guys? The minimum is 10,000 um, to invest with us on any one project. So we like to see investors diversify. So if they come to us with $100,000 that they want to invest in real estate as part of their portfolio, we try to advise them to split that up. 25,000, 25,000, 25,000, 25,000. Mm -hmm. Different asset types, different locations, different borrowers. For obvious reasons, we've learned our lessons, right? We want to make sure like them that we maintain a level of diversification. Now we can't require that, but we definitely advise to do that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, okay, very cool, very cool. Okay, so I think we got a pretty clear idea of how that works. So now let's talk about preferred trust company and what what the heck y'all y'all do over there. Okay, so preferred trust company was born out of, in 2007 out of a need to be able to work with a custodian that understood real estate transactions. That's why it all started. But the root of what Preferred Trust does is they offer individuals the opportunity to take a traditional IRA um, or 401k, old 401k plan and convert it into a self-directed IRA. 
And what that means is it opens the door for you to invest in alternative assets. Alternative assets would be anything outside of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Those would be considered traditional investment vehicles. The alternative investment vehicles, wow, the sky's the limit. So the only two you're not allowed to invest in are collectibles, you know, wine, rugs, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. collectible coins, um, and a life insurance policy. So those things are out. Everything else is in. When I say everything else is in, I mean everything else, anything that you can imagine. And I absolutely love my role at Preferred Trust because I get to see all these different investment vehicles that people are using. And, you know, now I have a hundred head of cattle. Like why would Carrie have a hundred head of cattle? because it's a great investment. That's why. <laughs> and somebody came to Preferred Trust wanting to diversify um, their retirement portfolio into grass-fed cattle for a reason. Now, I know this is a little bit of a morbid story, but I'm going to go ahead and describe it so that you have an idea of how could how in the heck can you make money in cattle? Well, um, I think we all know the price difference at the store between buying grass-fed cows and non-grass-fed cows, and they come at a higher ticket price. Well, if you add on to that, that they're organically fed, (laughs) and if you add on all of these elements, the price of the cattle goes up and up and up. And how long does it take to actually get a cow to the stage where we can actually make some meat out of it is actually not that long of a period of time. And so the return on your investment can be great. It definitely can be great. And so the things that you wouldn't typically see uh, as an investment really is an amazing investment. So a 17% return, annualized return on cattle, that's a that's a darn good return. Um, you know, some people are investing in digital currency. Now I know that's kind of a hot topic, but for preferred trust, we were the first custodian to allow individuals to invest in digital currency in 2017. Seems like it was forever ago, right? It seems like that was just a common thing we've done. You know, we invest in digital currency all this time. That's not the case. But as a custodian, you have to kind of become an expert in all these different types of investment vehicles, which is super exciting for me. That keeps it very challenging for me. In order for me to get into the digital currency realm, I had to go to seminars. I had to reach out to all of these experts that were in the field. I did not know a zero about digital currency in 2007. I don't think anybody did, but I had to become educated in it so that I could prepare a platform in which clients would be able to invest in digital currency. And I'm an old school kind of gal, right? I'm very much old school. I still write handwritten notes. I still call clients on the phone. Like technology is an amazing thing. But with digital currency, I had an opinion and a stance from the very beginning to maintain it as cold storage. And I think if you look at the evolution of digital currency, I actually wrote a piece on this, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I talked about my thoughts, my opinions on it and why I maintained digital currency. Didn't go the hot wallet route, didn't go to the exchange route. I think we all know what happened there and what's happening and what continues to happen. I took the safer route. And the reason I did that is because we are dealing with retirement accounts. This is Mm -hmm. not funny money. This is not go to the local 7-Eleven and cash in your Bitcoin. 
this is your retirement account. It's not intended to be bought and sold on a daily basis. It's intended to be held with the intent of growth. That's, mm -hmm. that's what retirement accounts are all about. So I maintained that philosophy while all my other competitors got into the arena. But when they got in, they got in with the hot wallets and these exchanges, and now they are wrapped up in these lawsuits. So my mindset of risk adverse doesn't just stop at Ignite Funding. It kind of goes into the PTC side of things too. And so it's, it's really, really cool. All the different things, the alternative aspects that clients can invest in. And when the market turns, when the market has corrections, when the market pulls back, clients start looking at alternatives to take control of their future retirement account because leaving it in the hands of the market is scary. It's really scary. Um, that's probably why we have, I think we're up to about $14 trillion in IRAs now. It's because people want to be in control of their future. So preferred trust provides them that alternative vehicle to do it. That's what preferred trust does. We convert that traditional IRA into a self-directed IRA and open up all these opportunities for you to invest with. So very cool. Um, what is the, other than uh, a herd of a hundred cattle, what's the strangest <laughs> thing that you have invested in yourself or seen one of your clients on PTC invest in? <clears throat> well, the farming aspect has always been very intriguing to me. Um, you know, we have individuals that sell to um, a green man. Anybody, anybody, come on, tell me. Jolly Green Giant, we've all eaten it, right? Uh -huh. We have investors that actually grow what we're eating out of the cans. <laughs> and they came to us because they, they needed goats um, to, you know, eat while things are, you know, waiting to uh, foster. <laughs> and we're like, goats, wait a second. Can you have goats? You know, you have to think about this, right? Um, but at, from a farmer's perspective, and I know nothing about farming. Again, born, raised Las Vegas, not a whole lot of farms in Las Vegas. But I had to learn about it. I had to figure out, like, how does this work? Do they have policies on these goats? Like, when their goats die, are the goats replaced? I'm sorry, I'm going down this path, but these are kind of some of the funny things that we have to discover and figure out, well, wait, can I, can I verify that they have these goats? <laughs> because if they're holding the goats in the IRA, like, is, is that, is that valid? Can we do that? Um, so it takes a lot of investigating to figure out those things. Um, but the farming has probably been the most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. The other stuff is, you know, small businesses, you want to invest in small business, you want to invest in precious metals, you want to invest in real estate. Like real estate, I got you covered. It doesn't matter what kind of real estate it is. I got you covered. Um, you know, digital currency, got you covered. Small business, got it covered. Um, I, I will say that uh, municipal uh, or marijuana has been, you know, a hot topic, you know, federally accepted, no. State mm -hmm. accepted, yes. Um, so can you have it in an IRA? No. Well, in my mind, the IRS says that you can invest in small businesses. So if the small business 
isn't selling the marijuana, but the small business is um, the creation of hydroponic equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's small business. So I'm a bit of an outside the box kind of gal when it comes to that. I follow the IRS rules and regulations to it, but I'm open-minded to things outside of, you know, just the, the standard cookie cutter. Um, so bring it to us. Let us look into it. Let us, let us investigate that a little bit further um, and determine whether or not that is something that you can actually hold in your IRA. And if it is, then, you know, we'll be the first ones to say, let's do it. Um, the monitoring of that's a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. when you're talking about farm equipment and animals and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we have to monitor that a little bit closer than you would your traditional uh, self-directed IRA, but those are all things that we can handle. We just, we might, it might take us a, a month or so to kind of investigate it. Cause I will want to make sure that it's something we can do. And then I'm not potentially creating a disqualifying event for your IRA. So we'll look into all of that, but super interesting stuff that comes through our doors, super, super interesting. Mm. But a lot of I've in turn invested in after I've, I've kind of seen the output of, you know, first you think it's ridiculous. Then you see their return. Then you see them do it again. And then three times over and you're like, why am I not doing this? So really interesting stuff. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, Mary Smith investor comes to PTC and she has, uh, $500,000 in an IRA and wants to convert it into a self-directed IRA on, on PTC's platform. Uh, Does Mary bring the investments to you so that you can vet and help to execute on this kind of alternative investment or does Mary collaborate on your platform and review investments that are being offered through PTC. And again, Cherry picks the ones that she wants to take advantage of. Like, how does that, how does that aspect of it work? Okay. Well, let me first start by drawing a line in the sand. Preferred trust company does not offer investments. Um, Clients come to us with the investment in mind. So there's no need for preferred trust company or self-directed custodian unless you have an investment vehicle, an alternative investment vehicle that you want to invest in. So what typically happens is a client will come to us usually through B2B. So we primarily work with businesses that are bringing clients to us with the desire of investing in their product. Mm -hmm. Similar to like the Ignite funding example. Ignite funding educates a client about ways that they can invest one of which is through a self-directed IRA. Well, I have an IRA, Carrie, but it's not a self-directed IRA. So do I need to move it from Schwab to Preferred Trust before I can invest in Ignite Funding? Yes. So Preferred Trust Company will help the client get their account open, their self-directed IRA account open at Preferred. Then they will work with the existing custodian, Schwab in this example, to move the funds or transfer the funds over to their IRA at Preferred Trust. Mm -hmm. There's no tax consequence in doing that because you're going from like to like qualified to qualified funds. Once the funds are moved over into Preferred Trust, then the client will complete a direction of investment. They will tell us what they want to invest their funds in. That's why that self-directed custodian, it's called a self-directed custodian, 
you self-direct your IRA and the custodian acts on your behalf, right? So it's required under IRS rules and regulations that you work with a licensed custodian or trust mm -hmm. company in order to enact those um, investment uh, vehicles inside your IRA. So that's how it comes about. Now, as far as preferred trust review, kind of a second part to your question, um, candidly, yes, we do review the investments. We want to make sure that it is a valid investment. So we do do our own due diligence and compliance research on the company. Not that it determines whether or not the, the client invests with them or not, but mm -hmm. just to make sure that we're kind of crossing our T's and dotting our I's because there have been times where clients have come to us wanting to invest in something. Let's say it was a, a, a private securities product and we go and look up to see that it is a actual filed or registered product and come to find out it isn't, we will notify the client of that um, just so that they are doing some checks and balance and due diligence mm -hmm. on their own. Sometimes clients are misled, um, maybe mismarketed to. And so if something like that pops up, we'll inform the client about it. If they want to proceed, that is at their discretion, right. but we will make sure that we communicate that message to them just in case we can avoid a, a catastrophic situation of them losing some of their retirement funds. Right, right. But in in, in that kind of a, a scenario, you guys, none of the liability falls on to you guys because you're not, you're not, you're not vetting these investments. You're not recommending them. Uh, you said, yeah, you you do your own kind of proprietary due diligence and research. And you're not giving the stamp of approval or disapproval. You're just saying, hey, we did our own research. This is what we found. And we are passing this information along to you so that you are aware of what we found. And But ultimately, they are going to make the decision themselves to move forward or not with the investment. And therefore, it kind of, it kind of um, removes you guys from any you know, potential liability, I would imagine. Yes and no. Um, yes. in the fact that ultimately they're going to make the decision whether or not they invest um, in whatever that investment vehicle is. No, in the sense that the investment is held under your vested name that um, preferred trust company, FBO, mm -hmm. Carrie Cook, Roth IRA. So if Preferred trust company, FBO, Carrie Cook, Roth IRA, buys a rental property. The rental property is in the name of the IRA. So if the rental property does not have insurance, which is the responsibility of the client paid through mm -hmm. the IRA, and somebody slips and falls, a worker comes in, contract worker comes in, slips and falls, they're going to sue Preferred Trust Company, FBO, Carrie Cook, Roth IRA. Mm. So Preferred Trust Company does take on liability in different types of investments that they allow their clients to invest in. Do you, are you making the correlation there? Yeah, yeah. So there is liability if the custodian is not making sure that the insurance policies are paid mm. and maintained, that the taxes are paid and maintained so the property does not get lost. So as a custodian, you know, it's interesting. 
The Schwabs of the world, they make money off the investments. Preferred Trust Company makes money off of the service fees that we charge. Mm-hmm. The fees that we charge are to make sure that those things stay intact and that you don't disqualify your IRA. Not to mention that, you know, the processing that's involved, the tax reporting that's involved, the statements issuing, the technology right. that we have to maintain and keep up with, the, the employees that have to be here to answer their phone calls. That's how we make money. So yes and no on the liability front, there are some investments that are just quick, easy, down and dirty, no liability, you know, not a problem. And there's others that require a lot of maintenance from the custodian's perspective Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're reducing our potential liability. If we have a client that can't pay, doesn't want to pay the insurance policy on the rental property, I will resign as custodian because why would I take on the liability as the Mm -hmm. custodian of an asset we don't own? The client owns the asset. Right, right. So we're kind of... You know, we have a very uh, defined line on compliance here, but I will tell you, as far as lawsuits are concerned, I haven't had any since I took over, but I had to take care of a lot of them when I started because it's a lot of maintenance from the custodial side of point viewpoint. Right. Man, as much as I would, I'd, I'd love to go down this rabbit hole further because I'm just so, <laughs> I'm, I'm so fascinated by it. Um you know, I, I know we're, we're just about out of time. So I want to just close the loop on a couple of things that I mentioned earlier, which is uh, you burned them down, you built them back <laughs> up. Like what, what do they look and feel like, you know, today, both of the companies? Um, well, uh, since 2011, Ignite Funding has funded um, just shy of $1.5 billion. Um, our portfolio is tremendously diverse. Um, it's a shorter term portfolio than it's ever been before to make us Mm. more nimble, to get in and out of markets, um, and in and out of asset classes as we see fit. When I saw the interest rates going up, I pulled back and removed from our portfolio entry-level, uh, home builders, right? Because I knew that, the financing of those entry-level buyers was going to dry up. Mm-hmm. So 18 months before I started converting our portfolio out. So we are super nimble. Uh, we're still a small team because if you're not an A player, um, the motto around here is I'll eat you up and spit you out because we will. Uh, technology has changed tremendously. Uh, we built our own proprietary system to be able to manage the origination, the servicing, and the collecting. So we are very self-contained. Nothing is outsourced. So that kind of give you an idea of Ignite funding. Um, Preferred trust. Wow. Um, I got to build that from scratch. That has been intriguing and um, complicated at the same time, but really fun to discover and implement all of these different investment strategies because before we were a one trick pony, it was real estate, real estate, and then some more real estate. And oh, by the way, here's a little bit more real estate. Um, we really have probably one of the most diverse alternative uh, platforms for people to invest with because we actually care about the investments. We actually research the investments. 
We are open-minded to things that maybe other custodians are not. Um, preferred trust company is not a sellout. And I say that because um, most of the mid-size custodians have been gobbled up by the giants out there. And now you're just a number and you'll never be that with preferred trust company. Um, so it sets us apart. Um, people know now just don't call carry. It's not for sale. Uh, so it, it definitely kind of changed the dynamic of who preferred trust was. Uh, it stands on its own two feet, which before it was, you know, very needy of uh, one business and now it's not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, preferred trust is fun. It's it's very exciting. It definitely gets me out of the real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, and I get to experience different things. Um, so yeah, th those both of the companies are on this crazy growth spurt right now which has created some tremendous uh, time management challenges for me personally, um, which is challenging. I'm not going to lie, but I have a phenomenal marketing team uh, around me to help with those, those growth strategies. Um, these podcasts right now, like, they're pushing me to do things I probably wouldn't have done before. Um, I was always very behind the scenes and I'm finding myself having to come out more and talk about the things that we're doing. Um, you know, most of our businesses, both of them have been built on referrals because people, once they come into this cycle of, of, uh, crazy carry land, they're like, wow, this is amazing. I don't want any, uh, don't go market carry. We'll market for you. We'll bring people to you. Just keep it secret. Um, but my marketing departments made me kind of get outside of that, that comfort zone a little bit more. Yeah. Well, we, maybe we need to tell them to just dial, dial it down just a bit, <laughs> you know, so that, you know, Carrie doesn't get burnt out. How many, yeah. uh, just in closing here, Carrie, um, how many hours would you say that you work in a given week? Ooh, um, a lot. <laughs> A lot. Um, I would say I'm a good solid 12 hour a day, five days a week. Um, and I try to plow in about four hours on the weekends just to catch up sometimes. Um, but I have a philosophy of glass balls and rubber balls. <laughs> and my glass balls are the things that I focus on every day because they can't drop. I have a lot of bouncing balls around me. And uh, once the glass balls are safely contained <laughs> um, and I can put those aside, I work on the bouncing balls around me, um, but I don't get lost in the minutia of all those bouncing balls. Because if that were the case, I would never be able to maintain that strategic growth plan that I have for both companies. Mm -hmm. um, to work for me, is not easy. I have very high expectations of the employees. Um, and I'm not just talking about my management staff. I'm talking about their employees too. And, um, you know, if you're not going to give it a hundred percent, and if you watch me, you'll see that I am, I expect you to emulate that. Um, so it's, it's fun. They take care of those rubber ones bouncing around me while I take care of the glass ones. Hmm. Interesting. I, I would imagine as a, 
our marketing team listens to this episode, I, I almost promise you that you just <laughs> named you just named the episode. It's going to be something around the the rubber and the glass balls. That's that's just too good. Uh, so, Carrie, um, anybody that would like to track down Ignite funding and or uh, PTC, uh, how would they go about doing that? Just finding you guys online, or you know, just give us yeah. whatever information you would want. It's super, super easy. So Ignite Funding, I would suggest going to our website at ignitefunding.com because there you can see everything. Transparency is super, super important to me. So you can see all the available investments. You can see what we've invested in in the past. You can see our default record. I am open book. Um, So go to our website, check that out. If you're interested, there's free consultation on there. And um, I also require that within 30 minutes, you are responded to. So um, the requirements are very stern. If it's on the weekend, give us a break. We will get to you first thing Monday morning, but um, it's it's pretty quick on the turnaround. And then preferredtrustcompany.com, same thing. You know, you're welcome to visit our website, learn a little bit more about what we do there. I'm huge on education and mentoring. So you'll find a ton of information on our websites um, about everything that we do right down to the definitions of, of what does that mean? You know, she's talking about LTV. What's LTV mean? Go mm-hmm. look it up. We certainly have all of that there or just reach out to us and we'll uh, chat and have a conversation with you so you can learn more. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, uh, you made that point about requiring your team to reach out within 30 minutes. And I feel like that is such a lost art these days. So I'm, I'm working with a partner right now to acquire a small business and mm-hmm. it's not a tiny business. It's certainly not a huge business, but you know, the loan that uh, we would be um, you know, requesting from an institution is going to be somewhere between one and $2 million. And we've reached out to um, you know, a lender and um, this would have been on, Friday, and here we are sitting uh, Tuesday afternoon and have not heard back. And it just absolutely blows my mind that service providers will let opportunities like that slip through the cracks. So uh, anyway, my hat's off to you and your team for for that type of response. I think that alone is a, a massive differentiator. So um Congratulations to you and the team for doing that because that that's huge. Carrie, I think you, uh, this has been by far one of my favorite conversations that I have had. Now, I gave up my hosting duties about 18 <laughs> months ago, but I did Aww. I did co-host for, you know, probably the first 100 episodes. Uh, and I've co-hosted some, you know, here and there the last 18 months because um, we're actually going to be three years into Tycoons in May. But um, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. You are an incredibly dynamic and interesting uh, person. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing all your stories. And undoubtedly, we'd love to circle back with you in six or 12 or 18 months and, and have you come back on and tell us you know, about uh, what you're up to. So thanks for joining Tycoons today, Carrie. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome.
You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us next week for an introduction to another great tycoon and be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.